Welcome to the AC23, the podcast and radio show for the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge. I'm your host, Dion Guillory. My producer is Jeremy Porcine. And if you've missed any of our previous episodes or you just want a little throwback and listen to past interviews, you can do that by going to Apple Podcasts. Click subscribe, and that way you'll always be in the know about everything arts in the Capital Region. And while you're there, be a little generous and give us five stars. So here's a rundown of uh, some of the things that are happening with the Arts Council of Greater Baton Rouge. In light of increasing COVID cases in our city and region, our board and staff, along with guidance from city leaders, have advised the postponement of two upcoming events, IMPACT and the Louisiana Arts Summit. Impact is rescheduled for January 20th, 2022, so mark your calendars for that. And tickets are on sale now at artsbr.org slash impact. The Louisiana Arts Summit will be rescheduled to spring 2022. And of course, we just want you to know that our first priority is always the health and safety of our community members. And we look forward to holding these events in 2022. The state fund the state funded grant program has been revamped and the application period will open soon. The program, formerly known as DAF, which is decentralized arts funding, is now called LPG, Louisiana Project Grants. These grants are available to nonprofit organizations within the Arts Council's 11 parish region, which includes Point Capie, Iberville, West Feliciana, East Feliciana, Livingston, St. Helena, Tangipaho, Washington, West Baton Rouge and East Baton Rouge parishes. Now, you can still apply if you don't live in any of those areas, but you have to do it through your regional arts council, which represents your parish. Visit artsbr.org slash grants to get more information about the changes from DAF to LPG, including slides and a recorded grant workshop. Potential applicants can contact Leah Russell at 225-344-344. 8558 extension 227 that number one more time is 225-344-8558 extension 227 or you can email her at l russell that's l r u s s e l l at artsbr.org all right our nation's history is filled with lots of triumphs but also there are lots of tribulations Despite that, people came up with methods to help others live life as safely as possible. And that's the role the Green Book played during the Jim Crow era. This story is coming to life with the exhibition The Negro Motorist Green Book at the Capitol Park Museum. And joining me now to talk about this incredible exhibit is Rodnina M. Hart, Division Director for the Louisiana State Museum. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. And I was telling you before we even started this interview that I was excited uh, about this exhibit. And we had this conversation uh, because many people may not know about the Green Book. And I told you that I learned about it from the Oscar winning movie that came out just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those who have never heard of the Green Book, what is it? Well, you know, your uh, association with it is pretty common. Uh, Most people that I've talked to about the Green Book had not heard of it until it reached popular culture. Uh, So the exhibition is uh, based around a book that was developed by postman uh, Victor Hugo Green. Uh, He was uh, a person who had an entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, he had connections uh, throughout the state because his brother-in-law 
was a traveling musician. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was in Harlem and uh, he spoke with many people and was able to make a traveler's guide. And this guide was something that was used uh, annually. Uh, He talked with um, ExxonMobil, which was ESSO at the time, uh, the Standard Oil uh, uh, Group, and they were able to distribute the Green Book throughout the entire nation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Green Book was, of course, the traveler's guide, but it gave information on where sundown cities were, uh, which were cities that if you were found after sundown being a person of color uh, on the road, you could be injured, you could be arrested. So this was a life-saving document. Uh, Also, uh, it talked about commerce. Um, it, this exhibition, it celebrates uh, black entrepreneurship. And uh, we see hotels, we see um, uh, restaurants, we see so many different right. types of industries that were used, um, which would accommodate black people at the time. Yeah, and, and, and giving them a safe place to go just to... You know, when you're traveling, when you're going somewhere, when you're out of town, where you can just live life. Exactly. And uh, it's interesting to think that there was so much planning that would go into the trip beforehand. Mm -hmm. They would navigate uh, how they would get to uh, where they were going. We know that with the Great Migration, uh, so many people left the South and went to places like Chicago or they went west but um, whenever summers came around, it was time to see grandma, to reconnect with family. Um, and this was used uh, from 1936 through 1967 as a guide to navigate the world in a more safe way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that period of time, especially the end point of this, mm-hmm. how great would it have been or I'm sure how great it was for those who were using it at the time to not have to use it anymore. You know, the interesting thing about the book is that um, even quoted in the book, uh, Victor Green says that this book was created so that it could go out of print. Mm -hmm. It was always the intention of it to no longer be uh, a segregated America. And whenever people could find the mobility and the freedom that comes with traversing the nation. Yeah. Um, So the exhibit is through the Smithsonian Institution Traveling Exhibition Service. And when you hear the name Smithsonian, that's like the creme de la creme of of museums. How how did getting that exhibit here or to come here happen? Well, uh, we were approached by West Baton Rouge Museum. Uh, They had secured a time, but uh, they wanted to make sure that the location uh, was something that uh, could accommodate a 3,000-square-foot exhibition. Mm -hmm. So we decided that uh, Capitol Park Museum would be the perfect place for this exhibition. So we were able to um, work with the Smithsonian uh, to figure out when and the uh, layout and the content and the marketing and everything that went uh, into this. But it wasn't a done deal until the lieutenant governor approved the exhibition 
to come here to Baton Rouge. And we know with all of the work that he's doing with the Civil Rights Trail Mm -hmm. um, that this was exactly the kind of exhibition that he was looking for. Yeah. Um, um, That Civil Rights Trail, I'm so excited about how that's progressing and moving forward. And just what, last week? Or was that earlier this week? Monday, yes. The the AZ Young Mm -hmm. uh, monument was uh, unveiled. And it was such a beautiful thing. Uh, They didn't know how many people were going to come. There was standing room only on an extremely hot day, which was actually a day before the uh, anniversary of that march from Bugalusa. It's all tying together. Oh, yes. It's beautiful. Yes, yes. That's that's one of the beautiful things about history, about learning and unveiling the lived experience of our citizenry. Uh, That's the thing that we dive deep into at the Capitol Park Museum and throughout the State Museum. Uh, We're able to um, to get to elevate, uh, to give a a platform for a lot of, of lived experiences that people may not know of. And also we dignify them with telling the truth Mm -hmm. and unveiling a lot of things that uh, may be uncomfortable truths, but they are vitally important that the story is told properly. Yeah. And it's because it's all of our history. It's all of our history. Yeah. Yes. Um, Part of the plot of and I I mentioned this and that's how I was able to learn about the Green Book. But part of the plot of the Oscar winning film uh, Green Book um, centered on the guide. It was also a story point in the Emmy-nominated series Lovecraft Country. I'm not sure if yes. you've seen that. Um, yes. Are people finally getting exposure to what the Green Book was? Absolutely. This has been a time where, uh, and, and also for comic book nerds like me, uh, the um, understanding that there has been a time in our history that we are separate enough from that we can think of in an objective way. Mm. And it's difficult because there's so many emotional things like our parents and grandparents may have used the, the green book to navigate the uh, United States. Right. But right now there's scholarly research being done. Um, it's in popular culture, like the, the graphic novel and the, um, the show on HBO Lovecraft country. Um, it's also, you know, the Hollywood film. Uh, the Smithsonian Channel has put together a amazing um, documentary uh, with uh, producer Yorba. Uh, she was able to make this beautiful documentary that we're going to be showing oh. um, on uh, August 28th, which is also the anniversary of the March on Washington with Dr. Mm-hmm. King. And um, that is the time in which he gave the I have a dream speech. Right. And so we thought that that would be a really beautiful uh, commemoration of that time. Uh, so it's going to uh, be at our museum, but also throughout Louisiana, I opened up the opportunity for every museum, every cultural center um, to host a viewing of the Smithsonian Channel documentary. Uh, the Guide to Freedom. Oh, that's exciting. Because I was just thinking in my head, oh, I need to find this uh, documentary. But yes, I just go to the, to the museum and, just, and watch it. Exactly. And, you know, one of the, the things I, I used to be on the uh, State Arts Council. And one of the things that 
stuck with me the most was the lack of accessibility through transportation that a lot of our communities have throughout the state. And so in thinking of that, I wanted to give an opportunity for every single community to take some part of this exhibition Mm -hmm. and the celebration that it's coming to Louisiana. And we're the only location in Louisiana that will be hosting the Green Book. So if you are able to come to the show, which opens August 21st, that's wonderful. We want you to come. But if you have some mobility issues um, and you just want to have some part of this celebration, uh, there should be a museum or gallery or cultural center near your community that will be showing that film. Mm-hmm. That's That accessibility is yes. so important. It's absolutely vital. Yeah. Um, it, it's exciting that this exhibit is coming here to Baton Rouge. Uh, explain the Green Book's connection to not only Baton Rouge, but the state of Louisiana as a whole. Sure, sure. So there were 14 different locations in Baton Rouge that were in the Green Book mm. throughout the, the run of its production. Um, many of those locations no longer exist. But uh, probably the one that's most well-known is uh, the Hotel Lincoln. Yes. That uh, location was on uh, many of the, um, the, the issues of the Green Book. Mm-hmm. Now, Louisiana in general has a lot of representation in the book. Uh, each community throughout Louisiana can find a place that was a safe haven for black people while uh, the book was being produced. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing that, you know, although this was produced during a very difficult time Absolutely. for our country, but yes. we, we as, our, as, you know, as our city, Baton Rouge, and as our state, Louisiana, we are still uh, a part of it. Yes, absolutely. You know, a lot of times when we think of national stories, when we think of something that uh, relates to a, a larger conversation, uh, we don't always feel that they're talking to us. That's true. Very you know? true. But this exhibition, uh, even though it doesn't directly address any of the locations in Baton Rouge, it does talk about uh, Dookie Chase in New Orleans mm-hmm. um, and the the Dew Drop Inn. Uh, but it does celebrate our history, and we have a, di- a direct tie to this Green Book. And uh, through some of our own interpretation with um, uh, our curator at the Capitol Park Museum, uh, Annie, she is uh, adding a few of these local elements. Oh, nice. So you may see something familiar when you come to see the exhibition. And that and that makes it even more exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, we love to support our own. Yes. And we love to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, representation and reflection is vitally important in every type of uh of cultural experience, I believe. Yeah, definitely. And it also also shows how we are all so connected. We absolutely are. Where there are so many more things that we have in common than differences throughout our communities. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, what can people, I know you kind of described a couple of things and, you know, Mm -hmm. the possibility of people seeing some familiar um, places mm-hmm. um, in the exhibit. But what else can people expect to to see when they do go out to the exhibit? One of my favorite things about working in museums is material culture. Um, objects that 
reflect the lived experience of people who interacted with it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I found most fascinating were dishware. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Uh, You think like this is industrial dishware. Mm -hmm. It's at a hotel. It's at a, a restaurant. And people used this. They ate off of it. They thought about it. They put it in a box and then, uh, you know, 50 years later, we're unveiling this box and we're seeing, oh, wow, these are representative of not just the meal, but also the industry, mm-hmm. the workers, the peop- the diners, the uh, institution, that um, the, the restaurant itself. So that's the extrapolation that I want our our. Um, our patrons to have. I want them to understand that they've chosen these objects, not just because they're cool to look at, but that they represent so much more than just the sum of their parts. Yeah. And it was a different time. It was. It was. Um, You know, we will absolutely be uh, transported back in history with some of the amazing uh, didactics and, and photographs and things that are on display for the exhibition. There's a little video um, there are a couple of color photography uh, uh, pieces, and um, but mostly you will see industry. Mm-hmm. You'll see commerce. You'll see the celebration of women in industry. Uh, the Green Book was a great way for uh, a lot of women throughout the country uh, to let their companies, their services be known. Um, there were the proto-Airbnb where (laughs) these cottage homes where people could, uh, travelers could stay for the night. Um, We know that if they had gone to the wrong hotel, that that could have dire consequences. Um, There's also uh, beauty supply stores, um, or sorry, beauty stores Mm -hmm. and and, um, schools. And uh, also there are barbershops. There are just so many ways of thinking about what was the importance of this specific commerce? Also, a lot of the editors, just like in Lovecraft Country, uh, the women were the editors of the uh, Green Book. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be uh, found in the the content of the exhibition. Um, it talks about our, uh, it equates travel with freedom yeah. as an inalienable right for Americans to experience the land. Um, It talks about the song uh, Route 66 Mm -hmm. and how the person who was singing the song would not have been able to actually go on that route because there were 89 sundown cities on the uh, route of Route 66. Um, It also talks about celebratory things like um, a Western dude ranch for black people. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it talks about all kinds of places and things. Um, you even grow an appreciation for places that are local, like Dookie Chase. Um, you know, I knew it as a, or I know it as a really amazing white tablecloth restaurant. Right. But in its infancy, um, it was you, it was a place where, uh, it was a sandwich shop mm-hmm. where black people could go get a lunch, but also cash their checks because there were no, no banks. Yeah, there yeah. were no banks who serviced black people. 
but there was a lot of industry in um, and New Orleans that was completely supported by black labor. Yeah. Um, you also learned that there were a lot of people who met at Doogie Chase, um, a lot of uh, civil rights and uh, forward action towards the betterment of black lives that without the safe space of Doogie Chase may not have happened. Right. There's so much, so much history. So there. much. Yeah, I can go on and on. I know. <laughs> There's a lot, <laughs> and of that's me. just one part of right. the exhibition. Just, just a little, little yes. sliver there, yes. a little teaser. Um, so, um, when does it start, and um, where can people go to see it, and all, you know, all that information? So the exhibition opens August 21st, and as of now, we are planning a community resource fair. Uh, it will be outdoors, the uh, the resource fair will be, and the music, um, any kind of entertainment, as of right now, mm-hmm. is uh, outdoors. Okay. We are monitoring uh, COVID numbers. As we and, all are. Yes, you know, um, but there won't be any activity inside aside from seeing the exhibition. Uh, and everyone will be, need to be masked to come inside the building. Those precautions are so important. Exactly, but uh, we are excited to to welcome as many people as possible on August twenty first, um, and that day we have a flat rate for everyone five dollars, uh, so that there's a discount, so that there's less barriers for entry because we'd love for as many people as possible mm-hmm. to see the exhibition. And how long does it run? It runs until November fourteenth. Got it. And throughout the exhibition, we have programs, lots, lots and of lots programs. and lots of <laughs> programs, pretty much from the day I was told, yes, I started programming. Mm-hmm. So every single Thursday um, in the afternoon, we're going to have a program. We also have a green book club. Oh, nice. Yeah. We thought that this was too great of an opportunity to pass up. And with a grant that we have received uh, from uh, the Junior League, we were able to purchase books. So if you go to Red Stick Reads, you can pick up your own free book. Um, and that one is a children's book that we're going to start off with. Um, that'll be August 31st. Okay. Um, but get your book now from Red Stick Reads uh, while supplies last. And uh, Councilwoman um, Erica Green is uh, going to be moderating the book club. So we're extremely excited. Uh, she has a nonprofit that centers on literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was a, a good fit for uh, that program. But the first one is a children's book. The rest of the series deal with the uh, Chitlin Circuit, mm-hmm. with um, uh, Candace Taylor. She's the person, she was the expert who created this exhibition. Uh, she also has a book called The Underground, I'm sorry, The Overground Railroad, and it talks about the Green Book and um, it as a resource. So we're going to have her talk August 30th, um, I'm sorry, October 30th. Uh, it was in conjunction with the, um, the Louisiana Book uh, Festival. Uh, so it's going to be digital, though. Got it. So, Got it. Yeah. Lots of stuff happening. So I'm, much. I'm so excited. Um Rodnina, thank you so much for joining us. And I'll say it again. I'm excited about this exhibit. And I hope uh, as many people as possible uh, go out and and see this incredible work. Um, 
uh, with their masks. Um, <laughs> safety is first. Thanks again so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to see you every Thursday and most Saturdays of the run of the exhibition. Sounds good. And thank you for listening to AC23. I'm your host, Dion Guillory. Until next time.